Thank you for listening to this production from New Life Presbyterian Church. If you'd like to find out more, visit newlifepca.org. Open your Bibles to the book of Deuteronomy this morning. I want to make just a couple kind of follow-up remarks on some of the testimonies here. Given thanks to Hannah Katner for telling us about the Porn Kills um, conference coming up. Just so you know, there are flyers for that conference at the Welcome Center. So if you're looking for information, more information on that, grab one of those. If you've got people you want to invite, you might take a couple copies. We have a limited supply, but take a couple copies and uh, use them to invite anybody that you think might be interested. And um, <clears throat> very exciting <clears throat> to hear about what Aaron told us about in terms of um, the meeting of professionals here in Muncie. I want to let you know also that I happen to be part of a pastor's prayer group as well who has been meeting for a few years, pastors from different denominations uh, in the city here, all gospel-preaching churches, and we get together once a month and, and pray for one another and pray for our community. So all of this tells me that the Holy Spirit is at work in our community, and that's a very exciting thing to know. So we are going to look at the passage in Deuteronomy 30, verses 11 through 14, um, this morning. That is on page 99 of the paperback Bible that would be in one of the chairs ahead of you. If you haven't brought a Bible, you might want to reach forward and find one of these white Bibles to follow along, page 99. Um, <clears throat> next Sunday is Reformation Sunday. And next year, when we celebrate Reformation Sunday, it will be the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. And we're going to tell you a little more about the Gospel Coalition Conference coming up in April, which is in Indianapolis and is going to focus on the Reformation. Um, but next year, 500 anniversary, 500 year anniversary of the Reformation. When we mean the Reformation, we're talking about that day on October 31st, 1517, when Martin Luther confronted the church with his 95 theses. Um, Martin Luther isn't the only major figure of the Reformation, however. There are other individuals, like the man on the screen before you. This is a guy named William Tyndale. And uh, Tyndale, very unique and um, powerful presence in the Reformation. Uh, Tyndale was a guy who believed that the Bible ought to be in the hands of the ordinary person. That the Bible ought to be translated into English so that everybody could read it. That sounds to you and me like an obvious thing. Of course, we should have the Bible in our hands, but 500 years ago, that wasn't quite as common, wasn't quite as normal. And in fact, it was considered a scandalous and radical thing to translate the Bible into English. So much so that William Tyndale was executed for it. He was executed by strangling and then burned at the stake for translating the Bible into English. So the very fact that you're sitting here today with the Bible on your phone or on your lap or at home on a shelf, the very fact that there are Bibles available for us in the local bookstores, we have to some degree to owe to William Tyndale. Now one of the reasons why 
the Bible was not widely available to all different kinds of people is because the Catholic Church at that time thought that the Bible was not understandable to the common person. They thought it was too difficult, too obscure. And so they would reserve the right for themselves to interpret the Bible and then explain it to people. And so in their mind, common ordinary people had no business having a Bible in their hands. It was too difficult to understand. So the reformers came into that situation in the early 16th century and said, no, that's not right. The Bible is actually accessible, understandable, and clear to even the common, ordinary, uneducated person. And that's what radically changed not only the church, but the entire world for the last 500 years. This idea that common, uneducated people could read the Bible. Now, when you hear me say that, you might think to yourself, I don't know, is the Bible really as clear as the Reformers saying it was? The Bible can be kind of difficult, can't it, sometimes? I mean, it's filled with, you know, strange names like Shennacherib and strange places like the wilderness of Ziph. Strange events like a command to a guy named Ezekiel to lie on his side for 390 days. Strange terms like propitiation. You might be thinking, you know what? I, I can't understand the Bible. The Bible's too hard for me. The Bible is over my head. I want to read it. I have no interest in it. It's beyond my ability. The reformers would beg to differ. And I think the Bible would beg to differ also. And we're going to look at a passage here this morning that would say that, you know what, the Bible is not over your head. It is clear. It is clear. Last week, we started this sermon series, Trembling Before the Word. We're looking at what Scripture says about Scripture. Last week, we considered whether Scripture was true. And the answer to that is yes, primarily because Jesus Christ, the resurrected Savior, believed it was true. If he believed it was true, we should believe it is true. But you know what, if the Bible is true, it doesn't really make much difference if we can't understand it, right? So this is important. We want the Bible to be true, but we also need it to be clear. And so that's the question that we're addressing here this morning. Is the Bible clear? So this passage here in Deuteronomy 30, verses 11 through 14, um, again, addresses this specific issue. The, The book of Deuteronomy is the giving of the law to the nation of Israel. This is uh, Moses preaching basically a, a sermon. The book of Deuteronomy is basically a sermon. Moses is preaching to the people after the Exodus. And here we're near the end of the book of Deuteronomy. And Moses is giving a final exhortation to the people, telling them, encouraging them, assuring them, friends, you can get this. You can get it. You can understand it. So let's read this. Please stand for the reading of God's word, Deuteronomy 30, verses 11 to 14. Deuteronomy 11, starting with verse 11, Deuteronomy 30, starting with verse 11. For this commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it? Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? But the Lord, excuse me, but the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart 
so that you can do it. Father, we ask that you would open our eyes to behold the truth and the wonderful nature of your word as your word goes forth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. So we're going to consider three things here as we seek to answer this question, is the Bible clear? We're going to talk about what we mean by the clarity of Scripture. Then we'll talk about why the Scripture does seem difficult for us to understand. And then we'll consider how we can understand the Bible better. What, why, and how. And so the first thing we're going to look at is what is meant by the clarity of Scripture. Um, the, the word, actually, that the Reformers used to describe this is perspicuity, which ironically is a very unclear word that means clarity. Uh, nobody uses the word perspicuity anymore, and I'm not going to use it anymore in this sermon. I'm going to use the word clear, um, but that was the phrase that the Reformers used. So what do we mean by the clarity of Scripture? Well, we look here at Deuteronomy 30 in this short little passage, and it might surprise us a little bit because of what we hear very often, I mean, from this pulpit and I think throughout Scripture about the nature of God's law being something that is, um, that is beyond our ability. We can't obey the, the Word of God, the law of God in a particular way. We're morally incapable of doing that, and yet here it is in verse 11. Moses says, this commandment that I command you today, it's not too hard for you, not far off. In verse 14, the Word is near you, it's in your mouth, in your heart, so that you can do it. Now, we want to be very careful that we don't misunderstand this. Some people might read this and think, ah, oh, yeah, I can do this. I can obey God's law. I can be a morally good, upright person and do everything that God has required of me so that God will love me and save me. I don't need a savior. I can rely on myself. That might be a conclusion that we would draw from this, but that would be a wrong conclusion. First of all, because when you look throughout the rest of Scripture, that is not what the Scripture teaches. <laughs> But also, when we consider the context of Deuteronomy here, friends, remember where this has taken place. Moses isn't saying to the Israelites, if you do these things, you can be good enough to be saved. And the reason I know that is because Israel was already saved. This passage is after the Exodus. This is after God had delivered Israel and saved them from the Egyptians. God in His mercy has already delivered them. And you might remember the way the Ten Commandments begin, but God comes to them and says, I have delivered you, now therefore here is a law for you to obey. It's not obey this law and then I'll deliver you. It's I already delivered you, now obey. And this passage is coming long <clears throat> after the Exodus. So this is not a direction to obey the law in order to be saved. I think what Moses is saying is simply this. The law of God, the scriptures, the Bible that they had at that time is not beyond your understanding. It's not too hard for you to grasp. It's, it's not over your heads. You don't have to ascend into heaven. You don't have to do this remarkable feat of you know, climbing into the stratosphere to try to understand the scriptures, nor do you have to um, travel the seas, he says in verse 13. Who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us like it's in just some far distant land? And you have to put forth this extraordinary effort, go on this amazing voyage out into unknown places in order to understand the word. What Moses is saying here is, no, the scripture is close. You can get it. Nobody can say to God someday, you know what, I didn't follow you and I didn't obey you and I didn't believe you because your word was just too hard for me. 
because your word was too beyond my understanding. I couldn't get it. I didn't know what you wanted, God. Answer is not going to be persuasive to God. This is what Moses is saying. The word's not obscure. It's not esoteric. You know, what is the sound of one hand clapping? Sometimes you'll hear people say. Like, what? That's like this obscure, kind of puzzling, brain twister kind of thing that really has no answer. The Bible's not like that. The Bible is clear. You can understand it. Something else to notice here is that Moses is speaking to the covenant community. He's just speaking to ordinary people here. He's not speaking to some exalted, educated elite. And in fact, if you go to verse 31 excuse me, chapter 31, verse 12, look at this. Chapter 31, verse 12. He commands, assemble the people, men, women, and little ones, children, and the sojourner within your towns, that they may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God and be careful to do all the words of this law. Even children can understand the word. I mean, the kids down here before the sermon, I mean, they don't always get the answer right, but a lot of times they do, don't they? They do pretty well. They can get it. Kids can get it. Parents, I hope you're teaching your kids at home. I hope you're teaching them the scriptures. I hope you're not thinking, oh, it's over their heads. They can't get it. They can. And you can too. And that's what Moses is saying here. Well, I want to look at just some other passages. Maybe you're not entirely convinced. Let's, let's look, because the subtitle to this sermon series is what Scripture says about Scripture. We see Scripture as the ultimate and final authority. So what we believe about Scripture ought to be rooted in Scripture. Circular reasoning? Yes, I addressed that last week. The Bible is our authority. So what does the Bible say about the Bible? What does the Bible say about the clarity of the Scriptures? Well, look at Psalm 119. <clears throat> Two verses in this chapter, 105 and 130. Verses 105, verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. What is this saying about the word? The, the word casts light on the direction in which we're walking. The, the, the word doesn't cast us into darkness. The word isn't shrouded in mystery. The word gives us light. It shows us how to go. It directs us. There's clarity there for us. Verse 130, similarly, the unfolding of your words give light. It imparts understanding to those who are smart enough to get it. No, the simple, to basic, common, ordinary, uneducated people. They get it. The light given to them is sufficient. You don't have to have a Ph.D. in theology to get the Bible. Psalm 119 tells us. Here's Mark, the words of Jesus, Mark chapter 12. This is Jesus talking to the Sadducees, not the Pharisees, the Sadducees. This was a different group of Jewish um, teachers who denied the reality of the resurrection. And so Jesus is speaking to them, and he says, As for the dead being raised, Sadducees, have you not read in the book of Moses, in the passage about the bush, referring to the book of Exodus, how God spoke to him, spoke to Moses, saying, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob, is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Here's what Jesus is saying, is that, that, um, that when God spoke to Moses, that was long after Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob lived. They were passed away. They were dead at the time. But what God said about them is, I am their God. And so Jesus is saying, why would 
God say he's the God of people who were dead? Now, of course, they were deceased in the physical sense, but what he's saying is they were spiritually alive and God was still their God even though they had passed away because they were alive spiritually, continued to exist, and they're waiting for the final resurrection. That's Jesus' point here. And what he's saying, if you look at that phrase in the first sentence here, have you not read? What he's saying to the Sadducees is, haven't you read the book of Exodus? Did you hear what God said? You should have understood that, is what he's saying. And so at the end, he says, you're wrong. You're quite wrong. Your interpretation of the Bible is wrong, and you should have known better. Now, how could he have possibly said that if he thought the Bible was basically an obscure, chaotic, difficult mess? Held the Sadducees responsible for understanding. He assumed it was clear enough for them to get it. And that's maybe seems to us like a bit of an esoteric understanding of that passage. But nonetheless, Jesus expected people to understand the word. Here's one last example, 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 to 17. Paul says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. How could Paul possibly say that if he thought the Bible was basically not understandable? How can something that's not clear be profitable for anyone? He says, no, the word is clear. In fact, when you read it, there's enough in it there that you can understand so that you can be trained, complete, and equipped, not just for some good works, not even for most good works, but for every single good work that God would want you to do. The Bible is clear enough for you to understand that. Paul is saying, the Bible clear. Now, I'm not saying, and the reformers wouldn't say, that everything is equally clear in the Bible. There certainly are parts of the Bible that are difficult to understand. Understanding the nature of the millennium is much different than understanding the Bible when it says, do not steal. <laughs> do not steal is pretty easy. The millennium is difficult, admittedly. I'm not saying we know everything about the Bible. So not everything in the Bible is equally understandable, and also not everyone will understand the Bible as well as everyone else. Some people just are given, I think, by God a spiritual gift to grasp and ascertain the deeper truths of the Scripture. And you know what? Very often those are simple people, not necessarily the educated, but simple people who get it. But not everybody gets it in the same way. But nonetheless, that doesn't mean that you can't get it. And so here's what John Frame says. I think he sums it up very well. Clarity of Scripture. Scripture is always clear enough for us to carry out our present responsibilities before God. It's clear enough for a six-year-old to understand what God expects of him, and it's clear enough for a mature theologian to understand what God expects of him. Clear enough in whatever station of life you're in, however old you are, whatever you do for a living, whatever country you're from, the Bible is clear enough for you to get it. And so this was William Tyndale's passion. Um, you know, he would get in the faces of the priests in his day, and the priests would sometimes say stuff like, you know what, the word of the Pope is more important than the word of God. 
what some priests were saying, and that just frosted Tyndale so much, you know, and he would just get in these priests' face, and one time he said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make it so the boy out in the field plowing knows more about the Bible than you, priest. <laughs> and that's what eventually ended up getting him burned at the stake, but by God's grace, that's exactly what Tyndale was able to do, to get the Bible in the hands of the most ordinary person so we can understand it and know how we should respond to be saved. So that's what we mean by the clarity of Scripture. Not everything is equally clear, but it's clear enough for you to know what to do in your given situation. The second question we want to consider is this. Why is it, though, that Scripture sometimes seems hard to understand? Um, <clears throat> Because even though the scripture is basically clear, I, I'm sure many of you are thinking there's sure a lot of it that, that I don't get. And notice in chapter 29, verse 29, the very last verse as we lead up to chapter 30, the Bible seems to acknowledge this. Look at verse 29. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. So... Here is the scriptures admitting that there are some things that are revealed to us, some things that we can get, but there are other things that are secret, that belong to God, and that he has chosen not to reveal to us. God has no obligation to answer all of our questions. He has no obligation to explain to us everything. And it's just something that we have to humble ourselves and, and accept. He doesn't have to tell us everything, and there are things he has chosen not to say. So certainly that's something that plays into this question of the clarity of Scripture. It can be difficult sometimes because of God's right to conceal what he does. But there are other factors that make the Scriptures difficult to understand. I'm going to list a few of these and kind of comment on them. Um, <clears throat> one of them is this. It's this thing called postmodernism. Postmodernism is kind of a descriptive term for the culture in which we live right now, and um, you know, I might be speaking maybe today a little more to those in the academic community, but um, if you are an academic, I think you probably know what I'm talking about. Um, postmodernism is a big term that means a lot of different things, but postmodernism has a particular view on how texts are translated and understood, and what a typical postmodernist would say is that ancient text, particularly the Bible, it's, it's too mysterious, it's too separated by too many generations and too many cultures for us to get. And if anybody says that he or she can understand the Bible, what that really is is an attempt by that person to coerce, manipulate, and oppress other people with their truth. Any, any claim that a person knows what the Bible says, any claim that the Bible is clear on some particular issue, and we know, therefore, what God means about something, is, in the mind of the postmodernists, a power play. It's an attempt to oppress. And, and this idea is taught in many universities, and generally what's taught at the university level tends to trickle down into the pews and into the minds of ordinary people. So maybe some of you are familiar with this, but when you're swimming in the waters of this kind of a culture, which, which says, you know, ancient texts are obscure. You can't get it, and if you do, you're up to no good. What that ends up creating is an attitude of suspicion when we come to the Bible. 
And a lot of people read the scriptures with not an expectation that they're going to be taught, but they come to it with an attitude of judgment. Something is not right here. This book is written to oppress me, and so I'm going to find what's wrong with it and judge it and dismiss it and argue it away. And when you live in that kind of a culture, that's part of what makes the Bible so difficult. We're constantly told we can't understand it. You know, how different that is than what we read in the scriptures about God's intent when he communicates to us. What we learn is that God wants to communicate because he wants to encourage us and he wants to bless us and he wants to instruct us. He wants to comfort us. We never get any idea from the scriptures that God is trying to oppress us. And ironically, a guy named Mark Thompson, who's written a great book on this, makes this point. He says, actually, this whole postmodern effort to say that you can't understand the scripture because it's just a power play is in itself a power play. It's a power play to dethrone God, to push him off the throne, and to say, I don't want any other authority in my life. I'm going to be my own authority. Ultimately, postmodernism is its own kind of prideful power play. But that's one thing that makes it difficult, I think, to understand Scripture. Here's another, textual difficulties. There are hard passages in the Bible. Uh, and even the Bible admits that. So here's 2 Peter 3, 16. Here's Peter. He says, there are some things in Paul's letters that are hard to understand. Isn't that kind of comforting to realize that even the Bible says the Bible, in some cases, can be hard to understand? But then he goes on, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. So yeah, there are passages that are hard to understand. That doesn't mean that there isn't any meaning there to be understood, because what some people do with these hard-to-understand passages is they twist them to their own destruction. Now, to twist a passage is to assume, isn't it, that there's a right way to understand it and a wrong way? Those who are twisting it are twisting it for their own interpretation, which is outside of the true interpretation. That's what Peter is implying. But at the very least, we see the Scriptures acknowledging there, there are hard-to-understand passages. But how do you respond to that? Give up? Oh, well... Some of the Bible's hard, so I better not bother reading it. It will confuse me too much. No. What that means is you might have to work a little harder. You might have to read in a little more depth. You might have to open up a couple commentaries. Uh, Proverbs 25 says, It is the glory of God to conceal things, and it's the glory of kings to search them out. The fact that there are difficult passages might mean that you're called search out the truth. Uh, here's another reason why Scripture, I think, is sometimes hard to understand. Individualism. This idea that I can understand the Bible by myself, that is, without any help from anybody else. Just me and Jesus in my Bible. Uh, that can be very dangerous. And as we look at Scripture, we see how that is um, challenged. Here is the book of Nehemiah. And this is when the exiles were returning to uh, Jerusalem, and Ezra finds the book, and it says he opens the book inside of all the people, for he was above all the people. He was standing up like on a lectern. And then it says the Levites came and helped the people to understand the law while the people remained in their places. They read from the book, from the law of God, 
clearly, and they gave the sense, the meaning, so that the people understood the reading. See, there's a strong passage for the clarity of Scripture. They understood it, got it. It wasn't above their heads. It wasn't beyond their ability, but they needed some assistance. They needed those who were trained to come along and help. And so, in the same way, uh, Tyndale's work in the Reformation returned the Bible to the ordinary person, but the ordinary person on his or her own, apart from any help, is bound to find the Scriptures confusing, confusing. Here's another um, reason. It's sometimes hard to understand the Bible. There are moral reasons. Sometimes, quite frankly, we don't like what we read. We just don't accept it. So we resist it. We find reasons why that can't really be true. And just like it says in John 3, the light has come into the world. We have loved darkness more than the light. That this, this is played into all of our attempts to understand the Scriptures. Mark Thompson says this, there is a moral and spiritual propensity to avoid the meaning of a text, not least by claiming it's unclear. I don't really have to deal with the meaning of this. If I can find out some way to say it's too obscure, I can't really get it. One of those things we bring to the reading of the biblical text is our own rebellious struggle against the sovereign right of God to determine what is right, true, and what is right. So there are moral reasons. Sometimes we just resist the truth. Lastly, one other thing, there are spiritual reasons. Spiritual reasons why you might not be, understand, be able to understand the word. You need ears to hear and eyes to see in order to understand the scriptures. Not everybody can understand the scriptures equally because not everybody is a Christian. In order to really get the scriptures, you need to be a Christian. You need to be born again. There is a spiritual issue here in understanding the Bible. You need eyes to see that's given to you by God. You need a heart that's willing to submit and receive. You need ears to hear the truth. God gives that through the gospel. Hannah Della Gardell gave me permission to share um, this story. She says in her life she was around the Bible quite a bit growing up and um, would read the Bible from time to time, but she said it was just, it, it was never clear to her. She said it was like a, like a blur when she would read the Bible, like it was illegible. Um, she would go to youth groups, and in her youth group, she'd hear people talking about spiritual things, and it just none of it made sense, just couldn't get anything. And then she came to see her sin, and she received Jesus as Savior. She became a Christian, and she said, I went home to my apartment, opened up the Bible, and suddenly she could understand. She said it was like being able to read for the first time. Because her eyes had been opened, ears had been unplugged, the Holy Spirit, and she was able to understand the Scriptures. So those are some reasons why the Scriptures are sometimes hard to understand. Let's conclude by considering how it is you can understand the Scripture better. If I want to take you back to the text here, Deuteronomy 30, if you look at verse 14, notice what is said here. The Word is very near you. It says, it is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. That first phrase, the word is very near you. What this is saying is that the word is not something out there that Moses is expecting people to strive for. The word is something that's come close. The word has come near. 
How is the word come near? Well, do you know who the word is? The word is not just words on a page. The word is a person. The word who became flesh is the Lord Jesus Christ. He has come near to us. Jesus has come at the sending of the Father, has revealed God to us in the person of Jesus, and he has revealed himself to us on the pages of Scripture as well. In other words, clarity of Scripture, understanding the Bible, is really an act of God's grace. And if I could quote Mark Thompson here one more time, he says, the effectiveness a Bible text has as a piece of communication depends ultimately on the power and benevolence of the God who gives it to us. In other words, the clarity of Scripture is in essence a divine gift rather than a human achievement. The clarity of Scripture is something God gives. It's not something you work to achieve. It's something that is, that is gotten through the ordinary means of simply opening your Bible and reading it, praying to God and asking that He would illumine your minds, sitting under the instruction of trained pastors in Sunday school and through the preaching of the Word. And what the promise of the Scriptures are is that over time, just like we grow through our sanctification, growing and increasing toward holiness, slowly, one step at a time, not in any kind of one-shot, immediate progress, Clarity of Scripture is the same way. It's a slow process. It happens patiently. It happens as you read, reflect, pray, and trust God to come closer to you through His Word. So friends, don't be discouraged by Scripture. Don't be put off by the difficulty of Scripture. Open your Bibles and read it. Start with a book like the book of Mark, fairly simple book, short gospel. If you've not read the Bible before, start there. Start with Mark. Come and talk to the pastors here. We'd love to help you. Uh, come to Sunday school. Get involved in a life group so that you can defer and listen to what your brothers and sisters in Christ have to say. We can be assured of what we're about to sing here. Words of life, words of hope, give us strength, help us cope. In this world, wherever we roam, ancient words will guide us home. And that's because the Bible is clear. Thank God for His grace. Lord, we thank You so much for Your Word to us. We thank You for coming near to us in Jesus, in His person, and in the written pages of Scripture. Would You please increase our clarity, give us deeper understanding, remove our doubts, and build us in faith as we trust in you and what you've revealed to us in your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.